Hey, hey, welcome in everybody to a Victory Monday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris. And yes, this is the first Victory Monday we have done since the Monday after Thanksgiving. That's a long time ago. Think of all that's happened since. But yeah, Victory Monday, 37-21. Winners over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Step one in a long season, but I'll tell you this, and I've listened, read, most everything has been positive except for one article in particular, but that's okay because the people that were in NRG Stadium on Sunday surely enjoyed themselves. I'm sure a lot of people were pretty surprised from all they had read and heard in the soft season. They're like, oh man, they get in, the, they get in that building and they see a team that's organized, structured, executed extremely well had some explosive pieces, shared the football, physically dominated up front. It's It was so refreshing to watch a well-coached, well-oiled machine. Yes, some veterans, so what? Some young guys contributed. Nico had a catch, almost came up with the catch of the day in the end zone. Uh, veterans that have been around for a long time uh, contributed. Mark Ingram, veterans that have been in Houston for a day, seemingly. Danny Amendola, touchdown. I mean, it was con- it were contributions from everywhere, and that's what I think made Sunday really, really cool. One of those guys that had a tremendous day, a guy has been around since about midseason last year, was a guy that I loved, loved, loved at Oregon. I thought he had a massive future at Oregon, heading to the NFL, and then he had a catastrophic knee injury. I mean, just horrific. And he's fought his way back, and he's fought his way back. And he's seemingly found a home here in Houston. And he had a fantastic day on Sunday against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Look, his blocking was outstanding. But he also came up with four catches for 67 yards, including the one-hander, blitz zero. Tyrod saw it, threw it down the middle of the field, and he found our guy, Farrell Brown. And I found Farrell Brown after the game. Out in the service level, we had a little conversation if you will his is an exclusive one-on-one with Farrell Brown oh man I've been waiting for this interview this was one of my favorite players back when he was in college before an injury kind of slowed him down but he is back to 100% seemingly now that's Farrell Brown first of all Farrell hell football game how's it feel to get a win man it feels good to get a win we've been waiting all offseason uh they've been going against each other finally get an opponent out there uh, that's not our defense and it just feels amazing all right, I'm going to get to the block in a second because that, to me, was the most important <laughs> part of the day. But that catch, is that one of the best ones you've made? Uh, yeah, it's probably one of the best ones i made at this level. Uh, I wish I would have kind of got out of there and scored, but <laughs> it, was, uh, it was pretty close. It was a good throw by Tyrod, and uh, I was able to use my long arms. Did you see him getting pressured back there and you just knew you had to get back there because he got heat pretty quickly? I did, man. Uh, Tyrod's kind of short, so for yeah. a lot of times, <laughs> I run a lot of routes and I can't see him. You just kind of be like looking, and then you just see the ball come out. And uh, I didn't see him. I just seen the ball come out and uh, just ran under it. You do such a great job in the blocking game, whether it's as inline Y, move, whatever you're doing, run splits on, whatever you do. Where does that come from, that pride to really put a guy on his backside because that's what you're trying to do seemingly on every play. Where's that come from? That blocking ability, that desire to knock somebody in the stands like you did their linebacker? Uh, I mean, you just want to impose your will on people. Uh, that's why you play football. Uh, 
I was always an aggressive kid, and that's just how we played football uh, growing up. And that's what you want to do from always from like the Nutcracker gym was always <laughs> yeah. putting people down, yeah. you know, all the old stuff. But I think it's just a mindset kind of thing, and uh, I have fun doing it. You guys set out at some point to just, hey, we're going to be the most physical offense. We're going to be physical at the point of attack. Regardless of what happens, we are physically going to take games over. Yeah, I said earlier in the week that we wanted to be the hammer and we wanted to impose our will, and we showed that today. I, don't, I haven't seen any stats, but I think we had at least 150 rushing yards, yep. uh, and that's hard to do at this level. So uh, I think that's what we want to come out and do every, every game is to impose our will, play physical, and uh, just dominate our opponent. I know it's a bad moment to bring up, but it's going to prove my point. Vincent Taylor went down with the injury, and I hated seeing that. But one thing I noticed was every single player came off the sideline to go greet him. There feels like there's a camaraderie with this bunch that maybe wasn't here in years past. Do you sense that as a player in this team, that camaraderie and that bond is there? For sure. I mean, we had a hell of a training camp, uh, one of the toughest training camps I've been a part. And I think when you grinding with people like that, even though we're all new, you know, through adversity, you become closer. And I think uh, the coaches was able to simulate that and uh, put us in some adverse situations through camp. And, uh, we've become closer and closer every week, every day, and that just goes to show. Uh, but, uh, I mean, we got a great team. I'd be remiss if I didn't follow up this final one. <laughs> we all saw what happened in Columbus yesterday. Yeah. How's that feel? Oh, man, that was awesome. They... Uh, being from Cleveland, I got so much junk from when they beat us in the national championship. Yeah. To go to the horseshoe and uh, dominate them guys how they did on the ground. You know, the Big Ten, I always pride on myself for being physical. And, you know, uh, the Pac-12, Oregon came over there and, and showed everybody that, you know, we're physical too. So uh, it was awesome to watch and see. Farrell, congratulations on a heck of a win, my man. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. You know I had to get some Oregon Ducks talk in there with my man Farrell Brown, especially a guy from Ohio who's had to listen to Buckeye this and Buckeye that. Well, <laughs> how about Duck this, Buckeyes fans? Man, the Ducks were awesome. And Farrell Brown was awesome on Sunday. Also awesome on Sunday is my man Andre Ware, who I get a chance to hang with each and every Sunday. Man, we had a really good chat with him Talking about this game, college football, everything, and some outstanding movie analogies right now. Dre, a day later, what is your gut reaction, as Johnny would say, to what you saw yesterday at NRG Stadium? Well, I would say <clears throat> surprised only because of the dominance in which uh, the Texans displayed yesterday in winning the game. I thought it would be a much closer game, but after about the third possession, uh, they just they just dominated the games and all the game in all three phases. Um, really offensively, when you look at thirty seven points, uh, didn't expect that. It was we didn't really know what to expect. Who would run the ball? Who'd be the primary ball carrier? How they would use uh, the five running backs? Because we at that time we didn't know Scotty Phillips was going to be up or down. Um, but you know, just the with just the dominance in which the team displayed was was very very impressive. I thought they were well coached, uh, as well coached a team as I've, I've seen in the first game, uh, and maybe the twenty years we've been doing this. So uh, it was impressive. Dre, we have talked about any number of things this morning about offensive players and Coach Cully and a lot of things, but Tim Kelly, I thought, called a, and painted it on 
don't want to say a masterpiece, but I thought he painted one heck of a painting yesterday with the way that he strung things together. Mark and I talked about the Farrell Brown catch followed up by the Wildcat. What did you think of the way that Timmy Call plays yesterday and kind of strung things together for that offense? Yeah, I thought he did an excellent job. And, and from the standpoint of knowing personnel, that, that's that's half of it or over more than half of it. Plays are plays, playbooks are playbooks, but I think a coach's job is to figure out who can do what and uh, where can he best help us within what we do offensively. And that's that you spend a great deal of time as a coach trying to figure, figure those things out. Well, they figured out what Brandon Cooks can do. They figured out what Chris Connolly can add to this Tim Kelly offense. They figured out what Mark Ingram and Philip Lindsay is, along with Farrell Brown. And I thought the offensive line was right smack in the middle of it. And the, and the way they played yesterday, the way they opened up holes for the this group of running backs and protected Terod Taylor, it, it, was, uh, it was a thing of beauty for Tim, really, to just call plays understanding who's going to get the ball and what situations and who's best suited for doing that. And I think that showed all throughout the game. How about Taylor's performance, Dre? He throws a couple of touchdown passes, but more importantly, doesn't turn it over. You know, people have called him a game manager. Well, he looked like he was making a lot of plays yesterday for a manager that throw to Farrow Brown. He had a lot of nice moments. Well, those who use that term in, I don't know if it's a derogatory way or a slight, Mm -hmm. but they don't really know football because every quarterback better be a game manager. You Mm -hmm. better understand situations. You better be able to uh, third and four. We're not trying to go downtown. We're trying to pick up a first down and keep the chains moving. Every every quarterback needs to be a game changer. John Elway, I mean, a game manager. Get John Elway was that way. Warren Moon was that way. Every single one of them knows their roles and what, and what situations are. So, uh, yeah, you get your gunslinger to go out there and throw it around the park. He's going to throw a bunch of interceptions if he doesn't know how to manage a game. But I thought Terod Taylor played with some, a tremendous amount of poise. Uh, he was calm. He knew exactly where to go with the football, especially when Jacksonville decided to heat him up. The hot routes were banned. He was, they were out. The ball was out on time, catchable balls. The one that he threw over the top to Farrell Brown, had tremendous touch where he just put it in the air and let Farrell Brown run under it. Uh, it, it was a thing of beauty. I, I don't I don't know that uh, I'm going to say it was his best game, but, boy, he sure looked composed in, in, in doing it. Dre, I know a guy that Mark and I, we talked about this before the show, and it was 85 yards. And, yes, it was a one-rushing touchdown, but there just feels like there's so much more impact from Mark Ingram, uh, your Heisman pal, and – I just, you know, there was some talk when Baltimore was having all those those injuries at the running back position. Oh, you know, hey, give up a six, let him have Mark Ingram, et cetera. I, he's one guy of any I want in this locker room 24-7, 365. There's such an impact from him. Dre, what did you see from him on the field, and what do you think the impact of him is off the field and in the locker room? Yeah, I think uh, <clears throat> that's where a lot of people miss the boat in terms of how important a guy is to, to – building team chemistry, uh, chemistry within the locker room. Marks brings a lot of energy and a lot of juice every day, and that's simply because he just loves the game. He loves to compete. He loves to play. I think you see that in each and every run, each and every time he touches the football, whether it's through the air or or a handoff. But I was afraid that was going to happen as well when when Gus Edwards went down, Mm. that Baltimore would make a call for Mark. But uh, luckily for us, he's here. 
uh, contributing in a big way. And I think his, some of his best football is, is still ahead of him. So <clears throat> that thing about the age of 30 and being a running back, just watch that with this guy because he's so passionate about what he does. You know he's going to come in in tremendous shape. You know he's going to know what to do on each and every assignment, how to protect the quarterback. And when you hand him the ball, uh, I said it yesterday numerous amounts of times during the during the ball game that the pile goes forward when Mark Ingram has the ball in his hands. Boy, this is one of those situations where I'd love to know who's called Nick. You know, the deals that don't get made and things like that because <laughs> I'm with you. I was a little concerned about that because I thought, all right, it's great if you can get something for a player, something of value, yet that's for the future. And right now, look, I just started the movie, and I like the way the movie got going. And I want to see the movie a little more before I start making those kinds of decisions. You know what I mean? Mark Ingram is real important to this football team on the field, off the field, all over the place. And I want to see him continue with this bunch. Well, it's kind of like along that analogy you use is you haven't seen the movie. But a lot of people Mm -hmm. keep telling you that they've seen it and it's not going to be a good movie. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? It's it's the worst I've ever seen, so on and so forth. And then all of a sudden the movie starts man, this is really not that bad. It's got some action to it. It kind of yeah. vibes with my way of seeing uh, seeing movies or how I like to see them. I got, I'm got, i with you. I got to see more of this. And and uh, I think it, it's a tribute to Coach Cully and his organizational skills, the staff. Um, it's a well-coached football team. And when you have that, yeah, you may not have the, the, the uh, star power that a lot of teams have, but you have team chemistry and you have good coaching, and that's going to give you a chance to win games every single every single weekend. I'm so mad at you two. I'm just sitting over here what? stewing because both y'all just came up with the best analogy of the day, and I'm like, mm-hmm. no, nah, man, that's what <laughs> I, I come up with the analogy, man. I come up. I give with him that. credit. He started down yeah. that road. <laughs> he did, but but you took it down that road too and did did pretty well. If somebody would have dropped the rotten tomatoes in there, it would have been even better. But uh, that said, <laughs> too Trey, early. I think we. I mean, we've hit all on the the. Uh, the reasons the Texans end up winning that game. But I think the one that we maybe have glossed over a little bit are the heavies, the big dudes. Up yeah. front, offensively, uh, the mix of Marcus Cannon and Jaron Christian. was It was obviously more Marcus than it was Jaron Christian, but Christian came in and did some good things at right tackle as well. And then also on the defensive side, Trevor never got comfortable, it, it seemed, with the four-man rush. And there was an exotic stuff. What did you think overall as you were driving home thinking about the game and you were thinking about how it came to be? What did you think about the, the big fellows on both sides of the ball and establishing the physical aspect of the game? Well, when you don't talk about them a whole lot, that's a good thing because, you know, penalties yep. aren't happening or, you know, busted assignments or there aren't, you know, runaway guys breathing down the neck of your quarterback. Uh, and so that's just from the offensive side of it. So I, I thought Justin Britt stood out yesterday in the way he played. And, and uh, once again – Credit to the coaches for managing the time for Marcus Cannon because he missed all the camp. You know, he didn't take one rep, but they figured he was ready to go in the first game. But we need to manage it. So Christian comes in and uh, and does a heck of a job there. That's that's coaching, fellas. Knowing if a guy can go, you know, all of a sudden you push him out there and you expect him to play every down, every snap, and he gets himself hurt again and there's a setback. Well, if you can manage him, you can use, utilize him, know when to bring in Jerron and and uh, give him a spell here and there, get him back out there. You manage him to a point where in a couple of weeks he's going every snap and you're better because of it. So that that's one thing. And then on the defensive side of it, um, just the job that Lovey's done 
and putting these guys in position to succeed. There aren't any big names on this defense. There aren't any showstoppers, but they just play. And the the impressive part of that is they've taken what was done in the preseason where you're thinking, well, uh, the Packers didn't play 30 players. Aaron Rodgers didn't play. And then, you know, uh, against him, well, it was, you know, a mix of this, that, and the other. And against the Cowboys, Dak and, and Ezekiel Elliott didn't play. Well, all of a sudden, the pass rush shows up, the turnovers happen, and, and you guys have heard me say it tremendous amount of times. Sometimes it's not about the one sack that you have in a game. Oh, we need to get more sacks. No, you don't. You need the pressure to force – quarterbacks to make mistakes which is exactly what trevor lawrence did and it resulted in three interceptions would you rather have the sack or would you have the, rather have the pressure and the interceptions and the ball back i'd take the yeah. latter mm-hmm. that's what lovey tells him lovey's like look you can go get a sack but that's selfish if you go get a sack go get the football too you know if you go get your football <laughs> yeah you know that that's for the team you get the sack that's for that's for you so I thought that was pretty interesting because Jacob Martin told me that in Dallas. He was like, Coach Lovey tells us that. And, and that's right. Go get the football. And one of the, one of the interesting moments, uh, you, I think, Dre, you caught it. It was – I don't remember what part of the game, but one of the Jackson receivers caught a pass over the middle, and he was on the ground. I think it was Marvin Jones. He's on the ground. And Kamu Grugier Hill didn't go over and tap him down. He went to go punch the ball out. Yeah, mm-hmm. just in al- case. He almost, he almost got it. And I was like, that's the impact of a coach emphasizing takeaways and turnovers. That right there. Because the natural inclination is touch him down, plays over. Instead, Grugier Hill stands over him, is waiting for him to make a mistake. He's waiting for for him to get up, and then he punched at it, and he almost got it out of there. And at some point, that's going to happen. He's going to get one out of there. Well, and that's what they're coached to do. So you you start looking at it, a lot of them are taking that swipe at the ball and all of a sudden the ball's finding its way onto the turf and into the hands of the defense. So um, I I just think that the coaching, no slight to anybody else, but the coaching is what separates this bunch. Um, I I don't know that anybody anywhere had them scoring the amount of points they hadn't been and then limiting Jacksonville to essentially 14 points. There were a couple of, of, uh, I would say, I don't know, gimme's at the end of the game where, the, where Trevor Lawrence mm-hmm. was able to, to get it down the field. But it was a, it was a, an impressive performance in all three phases, and I think a big, big credit goes to this coaching staff for having this bunch prepared. Well, they'll need to prepare very well for this Sunday at Cleveland. The Browns had some things going on yesterday at Kansas City but made the fatal mistakes relative to the game, Dre, the drop punt, turnovers, just didn't help themselves, and the Chiefs will rip your heart out and show it to you if you make mistakes like that. We've seen yeah, it up close. They'll and eat it. They'll eat it in front of you. If, uh, <laughs> if <laughs> why, why you're still clinging to life, man? They'll show you. But I mean, you. How many times have you heard me say, Mark, don't put the ball in the in the kicker punter's hands uh, oh. when the game's on the line? Yeah, oh. you're trying to score. You have to be aggressive. Forget running out the clock or whatever it is that you're trying to do. Stay aggressive in the second half. That's what I was saying yesterday about about the Texans as well. When you're up on a team, um, I, I just I'm in a belief that we we can shake hands and still be friends after. But I may put fifty on you today. You know, so <laughs> uh, I'm going to continue to play the game like we started uh, in the first quarter because there. How many times have we seen all these comebacks and? and things mm-hmm. of that sort. So when you let your foot off the gas, hey, we're going to run it and manage the clock, kill some clock on this drive. No, it's the wrong philosophy. I think it happened to Cleveland yesterday, and they paid a heavy price for it, along with the punter fumbling a, a snap. 
Trey, granted, we're not in Chicago. We haven't seen any Chicago Bears other than the three preseason games that we probably saw a little bit of, but it's more philosophical. When does Justin Fields have to take over for the Bears? (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) I I laugh because you you guys know exactly how I feel about that thing. Um, Yeah. You know, if if a quarterback's going to get killed, then Andy Dalton would have gotten that yesterday. And it's like we're protecting him from the Rams' defense. Well, he's a little better equipped to escape uh, harm's way than Andy Dalton is. And I just feel like, honestly, I'll, I'll just be flat-out transparent with you. I think Nagy is holding him for job security the way Jeff Fisher used to do uh, quarterbacks. And, you know, you just – you have a guy, you put him in your back pocket. Everybody wants to see him. The longer you keep him back there, the longer you keep your job. And then it's like, well, we're ready to go with Justin now. Well, he may mess (laughs) around and do that too long, uh, thinking that he's going to buy some more time with Justin Fields as he develops, that that he's not the coach coaching Justin Fields next year. So um, give yourself a chance to win games. I think the young man's ready. I think he proved it through the preseason. Yeah, he's gonna, there's going to be some bumps and bruises. But the only way to learn at that position is on the field. And so uh, taking those bumps and bruises, coming back, seeing the film, and knowing where to improve from, and you improve from week to week. And, uh, you know, a couple of weeks into the season, that you're, you're firing on all cylinders. But the, you don't learn anything by sitting down, holding a pin. He looked absolutely miserable on the sideline yesterday, having gone in, scored, and then have to come back out and not go in again. That, yeah. He looked absolutely miserable. When you when you see a guy tugging on his shoulder pads, that that is trying. That's a woosah from the movie Bad Boys uh, for a quarterback. <laughs> that he he is ticked off that he's not on the field. Trust me. Well, uh, yeah, it, we dropped some good movie yeah, references. Yeah, this has been pretty absolutely. Good. Uh, you know, Dan Fouts, by the way, told me, and this is uh, week three, two thousand seventeen. You know how your rookie quarterback needs to play if he's a highly touted first round kind of guy. He needs to play. He said, "If if you weren't doing what you're doing, would you get any better at what you do?" And I thought uh, that does make some sense. Uh, you know, you have to yeah. have the chance to do it. And look at them. It's not like they're going to set the world on fire. If Dalton is lighting it up and you're winning, okay, you know, hold off for a while. Anyway, Dre, your thoughts on Tennessee and Arizona yesterday in Nashville. The Cardinals take them apart. That game was going on while we were watching and broadcasting our game. But your thoughts? The defense was always going to be a question mark in in Tennessee. Um, They've Mm -hmm. got a bunch of – Tremendous athletes and skill position players on the offensive side, but defensively, that's where it's all. It's been a concern for a couple of years. And when you play a high-powered uh, offense like Arizona can bring to town, uh, I, I don't know that I'm all that surprised after assessing it and looking looking through it. But you know, once they jump you, now the pressure's on Tennessee to get away from what they're used to doing, which is pounding Derrick Henry at you over and over again and you find yourself down in a ball game like that a couple of scores you got to abandon it and start throwing it around that's not what they're built for uh even though they added julio jones and aj brown on the outside it's just not what they are you know they want to throw when they want to throw and not when they have they're forced to to have to throw and uh, it was a surprise um there indianapolis might have surprised me a little bit more but uh, Carson Wentz didn't get a whole lot of work this preseason. I think it's showing um, now. And and I told you, mm. I think the young kid might be better long-term than, than what they gave up for uh, with Carson Wentz. 
Oh, man. Holy Deason. smokes. By the way, Sad Vrabel. Yes. Mm-hmm. Sad Vrabel on the sideline, I'll pay money for every oh, week. Oh, gosh. Sad Vrabel on the sideline, I he love. He shows it. Oh, it's so awesome to see. Yeah, no cap. I love me some Sad Vrabel on the sideline. Love, love, love it. Also love the general, John McClain. He's up next right here on Texans All Access. On Texans All Access. On Texans All Access. On Texans. Let me tell you something. Great job. Hey, this is what off-season training camp, this week of practice, which was a wonderful week of practice, a great, great week of practice. Man, and I appreciate this coaching staff right here. What a great job of getting you all prepared now. I mean, a great job. And you guys went out and did what we asked you to do. Now, do we have a bunch of things to clean up? We sure do. And we're going to clean it up. But, man, isn't it nice to clean it up after a win? Huh? Man, I appreciate it. Man, the only one that mattered was this one. We're going to enjoy this one for 24. We love you. We appreciate you. And just continue to just push us. And you lead, and we follow, and we take care of everything else. So we appreciate it. We're going to keep going. Telling you, man, I get a good vibe from this ball club. That was David Cully and Brandon Cooks in the locker room celebrating. My man Tyler Sutarth was in there getting that audio to us. Appreciate him doing that. It's good stuff. It's great stuff. Uh, and I know Coach Cully will not say it publicly. He'll never say it publicly. But I know that had to mean a lot to him. I sensed that after the game uh, when I talked to him uh, in our post-game little one-on-one. I can just tell. He mentioned his dad and his mom. And I could tell, I started getting choked up. I thought it was really, really cool. Uh, you get victory number one. Love it. Hopefully there are many, many more in 2021 and beyond. Let's get to our good friend, the general. We had plenty to talk about with the general. He predicted a Texans win. Now, he has thought it's not going to be all that pretty after, but he predicted predicted a Texans win. I gave him credit for that, and we chatted with him about all of it. John, so what were your thoughts following the game and a day later? There were two people I was the most excited for to see the Texans win this game and score more points in the first game in any time in history. David Culley, who waited 27 years to be a head coach and is as fine a man as I've ever met. To get that first win, such a class guy. Can you imagine? How many texts and calls and emails he's gotten after that victory from his friends around the league. When you think about all the places he's been, seeing the Texans on top of the AFC South after uh, the Colts and Titans got beat at home is strange, of course. And the other one's Tyrod Taylor. You know, Tyrod has been around since his 11th season. The hard luck he had as a starter last year with the Chargers when he got that freak injury with a punctured lung, opened the door for Justin Herbert. And then in 2018, started off three games, concussion, opened the door for Baker Mayfield. So I was really happy for him. And I got to tell you, after the first couple of passes, I'm like, whoa, you know, what's the matter with Tyrod Taylor? And then all of a sudden, he settled down, got it together, and I thought it was just tremendous, 112.1 rating and no turnovers. And the one sack, you know, he was he, he eluded a rush, and uh, he was brought down near the sideline and a two-yard loss, so it wasn't like he got hit in the pocket. You know, they were flawless, and, and, and I was happy for Lovey Smith because I know certain people said, oh, he's too old, he came from – 
college football. He can't coach anymore. The NFL's passed him by. Lovey Smith, his defense has done what all of them do. They're plus three in turnover ratio. And to equal last year's number of interceptions in the first game is amazing. Now, it doesn't mean they're going to beat Cleveland. All it means is they're 1-0. I've already been bombarded with emails. People, <laughs> oh, they just beat the Jaguars, and I'm gonna, I'm not gonna uh, chastise them. And I say, let them celebrate. You know, they may may not win another game, but they, this one they certainly deserve to celebrate. Three point underdogs at home. I read everything I could around the country last week, picking picking them to win one game, two games. It was amazing, but it was a great opening victory against Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence. General, you mentioned Tyrod Taylor starting off. I mean, that first drive, maybe the game goes differently if Shaquille Griffin hangs on to the interception at the beginning, but he didn't. And then Tyrod Taylor turned in that performance. I We've watched every single practice, all, you know, all three of us. We've seen every single practice. We've seen everything up close. We knew that Tyrod was capable of more than what he showed in the first couple of plays. Were you surprised at all by how efficient and how actually throwing the ball down the field, how explosive he was throwing the ball down the field? Did that come as a surprise? Overall, did you think he could play at that particular level that he showed yesterday? Yes and no. Because anybody who watched the offseason program, the OTAs, watched training camp, the defense was ahead of the offense almost every day. This offense was playing positive in the offseason and training camp because they ran for 160 yards. They ran up 41 times. They controlled the clock, kept the defense fresh, which is one reason they were plus three in turnover differential. And for Tyrod to play the way he did, I didn't see that in camp or preseason. And to, it's amazing, two or three times, especially – on that play in which he connected with Brandon Cooks for 52 yards, in which he avoided a rusher. He looked like Deshaun Watson, an older Deshaun Watson, the way he eluded the pass rusher and threw the ball and connected with Cooks, and it was a great pass. And then Cooks, of course, made that incredible catch the first time in double coverage in which he wrestled the ball away from Jenkins. And so I looked up last night. Brandon Cooks has been on an unbelievable roll. I mean, he has been tremendous. Go back to the last two games of last season. You guys remember what he did in those two games. He had, uh, my goodness, I think he had like 100, well, I've got it here somewhere, where he had 166 yards in one game. In his last three games, he's averaging, he well, let's see, last year against the Jaguars, he had uh, – 11 catches, 244 yards, and two touchdowns. And the last game against Tennessee, 11, 166, and two. Game before that, Cincinnati, seven for 141 and one. So he has a three-game total of 23 catches for 439 yards and three touchdowns. I believe the Browns will probably double-cover Brandon Cooks. And the unsung hero to me was Farrell Brown. And I remember a game last year, and you probably remember what game it was, in which I remember it was across the field from the press box. He hit a guy and drove him back about 15 yards. Yeah. And that run he made after the one-handed catch, never seen him make a one-handed catch like that. But the fact that he uh, 
last year he flattened a couple people running. You know, he's he's listed at six six, and I saw Anthony Auclair, who's six six, supposed to be standing next to him, and he's taller than Anthony Auclair. That one handed catch and run uh, was tremendous, and he's starting for the first time. And let's give some credit here where credit's due. Bill O'Brien brought him in, I believe, and he just like Brandon Cooks and those guys have been tremendous additions, and I can't wait to see Farrell Brown become an even bigger part of this offense. And when I watched the replay last night, the tight ends were blocking like maniacs, which is which is a credit to them and the coaches. Yep, that's what they want. And Farrell Brown going back to Cleveland where he caught his first touchdown pass last year. Is Tyrod going back to Cleveland? I mean, this is you got a lot. Yeah, well, we do have some Browns. Terrence Mitchell yeah. going back to yeah. Cleveland. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is going to be uh, interesting to see that return. And speaking of it, John Cleveland loses to Kansas City. They snatched defeat from the jaws of victory yesterday. I guess you got to give the Chiefs a ton of credit, but the Browns had some mistakes that obviously you know they would want back. Some plays they'd want back. But what do you make of the matchup this week? Their punter dropped a perfect snap, mm. which oh set God. up a short touchdown that's got to just kill the coaches. You know, the Browns, I picked the Browns to win the Super Bowl, and I thought that they beat the Texans all along, but the Texans barely lost up there last year with that terrible weather. And you never know. It's not going to be cold, but it'll be windy. It's always windy on Lake Erie, and Tyrod Taylor knows that. He knows what to expect. And I would expect it's going to be a very physical game. They have two great running backs. I look for this to be low scoring. And I look at the running games, defense, blocking to play a role in the outcome. General, if I would have told you that there's a quarterback going to throw four touchdowns in Jacksonville in week one, I'm not sure who we would have said, Trevor Lawrence. Well, it turned out to be Jameis Winston for the Saints and Aaron Rodgers Scores three points with the Packers after this offseason. Look, I know the Packers will eventually get it together, but how embarrassing a performance by the Packers, and did you see that coming at all from Jameis Winston? Well, I had all along, I've said Jameis Winston's my comeback player of the year. I've said that on every show I've been on because I thought spending a year with Drew Brees and working with Sean Payton would help him. You know, he starts off with five and zero, and he didn't have to throw the ball a lot, and the Saints. Man, oh, man, they just looked incredible, and just like Tampa Bay did. So I think that's going to be a great race, and starting with those two teams. But Jameis Winston looked incredible in his first game as a starter. I don't think he started one last year. And he put uh, he silenced anybody thought Taysom Hill ought to be the quarterback. Mm. It was amazing what he was able to pull off. Okay, so why did Tennessee have such difficulty blocking Arizona? <laughs> I mean, well, five Ryan, sacks. Ryan, well, I'll tell you, Ryan Tannehill missed all of preseason and uh, a lot of camp because of COVID nineteen. They didn't have their. T- they had a COVID nineteen. I think nine or eleven players on there that wreaked havoc with them. But the key is, Cardinals got up early and they took Derrick Henry out of the game. One time I looked up. And Henry had eight carries for eight yards, and his long game was seven. So they were all over him. And then when they got that big lead, he, they couldn't do what the, they liked to do, run Henry. They could abandon the uh, play action. And 
They were just totally discombobulated. That is the first Cardinals quarterback to have five touchdowns in a game, four passing and one rushing, since former Oiler Charlington in 1962. DeAndre Hopkins had two of those. The most incredible statistic of the weekend was Chandler Jones, after missing and starting one game and getting hurt last year, missing the rest of the year, coming back and having five sacks. And I think whatever it is he's trying to get on a on an extension, they need to do it like yesterday night. Uh, what about the Indianapolis Colts and Seattle Seahawks in Indy and the Colts just unable to be competitive with them? Russell Wilson hammered them from the get-go. His rating was almost 153. He didn't have to throw a lot. Carson Wentz didn't play bad. Two touchdowns, no interceptions, but they couldn't run the ball like uh, we thought they would. And their defense is supposed to be great, and the defense wasn't not just great. It wasn't good. And uh, there's a lot of things that people will panic after the first game, as you guys know, and teams will come around. But you look for certain things. And one of the things about the Texans, when they started over with David Culley and Lovey Smith and then Tim Kelly coming back, they had several things. They had to run the ball more and better. First time thing Tim Kelly told us, I got to call more running plays. So we saw in preseason when they averaged 162 yards a game, that was encouraging. Now they've done it in the first game. Defensively, they had to stop the worst the run. They couldn't do it last year. They did it in preseason, and they did it yesterday. And then, of course, they had the first turnovers. They had 10 in preseason and three yesterday. So everything they did in preseason was encouraging for regular season. And there's other teams that wanted to do the same thing. And then there's one like Russell Wilson just keeps rolling along. As far as Aaron Rodgers, I think until he gets that man bun cut, he's (laughs) he's not going to be the same. Every time I see his hair – and his man bun, uh, I think, uh, no wonder you're struggling. Yeah, yeah. It's true. always the man bun. It's always the man General, <laughs> thanks so much for the time. We look forward to catching up later in the week. Hey, Mark and John, thank you guys very much. Have a great rest of the week. That damn man bun's a killer, man. It's a killer. Well, the Packers, they didn't have a fun time in Jacksonville. Jacksonville didn't have a fun time in Houston, but Houston had a fun time in Houston. Who else had fun times over the weekend? <laughs> we'll go around the NFL next right here on Texans All Access. Texans All Access. Texans All We're going to segment this Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, and it's time for the fastest four minutes in radio. I'm going to try and get to every single game that happened this Sunday, hitting a little nugget here, a little nugget there, because it was a fun Sunday in the NFL, obviously, because the Texans won. But let's see if we can recap this whole thing and start in Atlanta where Arthur Smith's debut went down the toilet. Nick Sirianis, Philadelphia Eagles, blew them out 32-6. Jalen Hurts threw three touchdowns, including one to the trophy. Devontae Smith, six catches, 71 yards, and that touch. Eagles win 32-6 on the road. I thought this was... About a 99% chance of not happening, but the Steelers come from behind to beat the Buffalo Bills in Buffalo. Ben Roethlisberger throws a touchdown. Najee Harris, not much on the ground, but defense and special teams got it done for the Steelers. Deontay Johnson caught that touchdown pass from Ben. Ulysses Gilbert had a nine-yard return of a blocked punt that gave the Steelers a 
point lead. They would hang on and win 23 to 16 up in Buffalo. I had somebody ask me before the game, why are the Bengals a three-point favorite? Well, because they were going to win by three, 27-24. Jamar Chase leads the way for the Bengals. Five catches, 101 yards, and a 50-yard touchdown. Apparently seeing the ball a whole heck of a lot better than he was recently. 49ers and Lions played a wild one. This one hit the over, 41-33. to The 49ers took a 28-point lead on a touchdown pass from Trey Lance, a touchdown pass from Jimmy Garoppolo. Elijah Mitchell, the rookie I loved out of Louisiana, went over 100 yards with a touch. Debo Samuel had 189 yards receiving, but the Lions climbed back into it, but to no avail. 41-33, 49ers win on the road. <laughs> the Cardinals beat the Titans. 38-13. <laughs> yeah, not just a win, Blew them out. The Seahawks beat the Colts 28-16. Blew them out. How about that? AFC South teams lost by 25, 12, and 16. And your Texans won. How about that? Chargers went to Washington to take on the Washington football team. Ryan Fitzpatrick, a hip subluxation. Means he's going to go to the IR, unfortunately. And the Chargers hang on to win 20-16. to Justin Herbert and the guys go all the way to the East Coast. He throws for 337 and a touch. Mike Williams catches one of those. Keenan Allen catches 100. And the Chargers get a win to start the year. The Panthers in the Sam Darnold Bowl. Sam Darnold looks really good. 19-14. to The Panthers get the win. He throws for 279 and a touch. He found his guy Robbie Anderson for a deep touchdown. And Zach Wilson did get the Jets back in the game. He's going to be fun to watch once he settles in. But the Panthers get the win and go to 1-0. The Chiefs and the Browns, I watched this one when I got home. Heck of a football game. But a dropped punt by Gillian, the Browns punter, led to a short field. The Chiefs take the 33-29 lead at that point and hang on to win as Baker Mayfield throws an interception with a little over a minute left. 33-29, Chiefs win at home in the Alabama quarterback bowl well this one goes to Tua Tungavailoa he threw for 202 yards and a touchdown while Mac Jones threw for 281 and a touch but it was Jalen Waddle getting a touchdown that put the Dolphins ahead 17 to 10 and they would hang on and win that game 17-16 the Saints blew out man bun and the Packers the Broncos wow how about this this was upset I changed my pick on this I'm so disgusted Teddy Bridgewater, 264 yards and two tutties to beat the Giants. And the Rams hammered the Bears. And Matt Stafford and Sean McVay, the marriage looks pretty good right now. We'll see how it transpires as the season goes on. Ravens and Raiders tonight. I got Raiders. Dre's got Raiders. And Mark's got the Ravens. So we'll see how that goes. We'll see you tomorrow, buddy. Thanks for listening. And as always, go Texans.